You're listening to Robert Kelly's You Know What, Dude? on the Glory Hall Radio Network, gloryholeradio.com. Hey, what's up? This is Robert Kelly, and I am uh, I'm doing, uh, you know what, dude, podcast. Uh, I'm here with a very close friend of mine for years, almost my whole comedy career, uh, and uh, even closer in the latter years, Yeah, uh, Gary Gullman, Mr. Gary Gullman, from Torgasm, Gary Gullman. <laughs> what's I, up? I always like to think that I started... A year and a half or so after you, and then that's how I explain to myself why you're far ahead of me. Wow. All these guys are far ahead of me. It was the year and a half. That's it was fun. the year and a half that Dan Cook had over me Can I just that allowed that? him to sell out. I do the same thing. You do? Yeah, I do the same thing with the... I have a year and a half to two years of acting that I pulled out. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we were talking about that today. You didn't get that at all? Like, oh, I was out for two. I was like out for a oh, year Oh, so half. you subtract from that. I love the guys. Well, for the first 11 years of comedy, I only did it once a month. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's, that's why you're ahead of me. I came up with Dane, but, you know. Yeah, listen. then we diverged. Yeah, well... I kind of did. Um, sure. I kind of did. But it was Dane's fault. <laughs> he told me to stop doing comedy. Or he was going to leave out on the monkeys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, Gary, man, I'm really gra- glad I got you on the podcast. I've been doing this for a while now. Um, and, uh, you know, me and you, dude, we've been through so many stages of... Uh, of, the, of my career together and your career, but um, you know it's been a constant, evolving like uh, anchor, you know, friendship in my in oh yeah my life. You know what I yeah. mean? And people don't people kind of get weirded out that we're friends. Like I'll tell people that I'm friends with you, you and Gary. I'm like he's one of my favorite people on the planet Earth. And people are like, really? Like, they can't imagine us. Do you remember what Colin Quinn said what, about said, our friendship? No, what? Robert, you can never be friends with Gary because Gary is a winner. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I wish, you know, I wish, this is the only time I wish this was a real radio show so we could have a stupid PA call him up right now. Yeah. Just fucking, How dare you? You cunt. <laughs> yeah, and that's why he shouldn't be friends with me. Right. Because <laughs> I'm just above a loser. Oh. Um... <clears throat> but you, um, me and you started out together. Yes. Uh, I started a little before you, a year and a half or so. Yeah. I mean, my first, <laughs> my first show was October 8th, 1993. Okay. That's, it's so funny. You have stats. Oh yeah. And comedy. every, and every October 8th, I, I celebrate it. Really? Yeah. October 8th is my birthday. No way. Yeah. That's, that's interesting because it was essentially my birthday. Was that was that dramatic? That was very dramatic. And because now, I never felt alive, right, until I was on stage. <laughs> that me neither. Right? I never felt alive until October eighth. Yeah, right. So Which October eighth was our year. birth. But here's the deal, dude. Me comedically, you humanly. You have to. Uh, you have now. You can never forget my birthday. Right. And if you do, I'll be fucking. 
It's funny Insulted. because I always put on the calendar birth of a superstar, but I Apparently thought, it was, talk, thought it was for me. You're talking about somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about somebody else. I was talking about Mr. Robert Kelly, yeah. a superstar. Well, we met back in Beantown at yes. Nick's Comedy Stop. I think it was the first time I saw you. Yeah. You came in really tall, really good looking, really oh, big. Yeah. And you went on stage. And we, we, I don't think we talked really. No, we'd say hello. You were you were a friendly guy, but we came from two different worlds. That's the weird thing from in in comedy is that you were you grew up a criminal. It sounds like, and I was like a, a guy who played by every rule. I mean, I wouldn't even steal a pencil from a from a teacher or anything like that. I'd give it back at the end of the class. And and from what we discussed today, pencils pencils were nothing to you. No, nothing, nothing. You would steal a pencil and not even bat an eyelash. Uh-huh. I used to steal everything. <laughs> But I wasn't, this is the thing too, is I wasn't a real criminal because I did have a heart. Like I wouldn't, you know, um, I had a hard time doing real crime. Right. I did real crime. Yeah. But I was really forced into it. But my crime, you know, my type of stuff was going into your backyard and stealing uh, a ceramic owl. Right. Lawn furniture. Yeah. uh, And then selling it. You were so shrewd. Yeah, like I would sell. I would, I would hit you, but it wouldn't hurt you. Right? It would, you'd be like, "Where's my fucking? Where's my drill? Where the fuck is my drill?" And you know, the fucking deli owner down the street had it. Y- yeah, you, know? you were a criminal with a conscience. I was almost Robin Hood. <laughs> I was helping the guy at the deli, you know, fix that wall that needs to be fixed. Yeah. So he didn't get shut down. Right. Because then, if he shut down, the bakery might lose business. They might yeah. fucking shut down. I- I, lo- I love it, the way you were able to rationalize it. But you, um, me and you became friends. One night we were talking, and you needed a job. Yeah. Which flipped me out, because, you know, you, you, were, you went to fucking, wh- where'd you go to college? I went to, I went to Boston College. I, I have an accounting degree, and I was working <laughs> as an accountant, and then I got, I got turned on to the life of comedy, and I lost that job because of my lack of uh, doing it well. I was I was very bad at it because I was doing shows till late at night and then coming into work the next day late, tired and the, and the whole thing is, is you you kill on stage and then you have to go to this job where nobody really thinks you're very special and and it's painful so I I was doing that and then all of a sudden I didn't have a job and I was able to live off my severance for a little while and then that ran out and I. I sort of started over again as a, as a as a waiter. I had never waited tables. Well, at I was all. I was working. You came to me and you were like, "I'm looking for a job," and I worked at this Italian restaurant. Yeah, in Boston. It was at Nick's upstairs. Yeah, and I go, dude, I get you a job. Yeah, because uh, I got every I got Al a job there. I would get a lot of you know because people you know a friend of mine got me the job and <laughs> over in Brookline at the new restaurant, and yeah. uh, you came in. Yeah. And you applied. I applied, and the next day, and they gave me the job, and I was able to turn it into sometimes between forty-five and sixty-five dollars a day. A day, and you were so, you were the For tallest lunch. waiter ever, and a terrible waiter, slow, yep. and nervous, You're and, very nervous, and, and hunched over. Yeah, you yeah. Had, you had to bend completely in half. Yeah, to take somebody's order. Yeah, way too tall. But then you got the, you got the hang of it after a while. Yeah. You got the hang of it, and then... Uh, now, do the people know that you met your wife at this, at this restaurant? I don't talk about my wife. Oh. <laughs> She's not mentioned. I don't know. No, they don't. They, I actually... Well, I didn't meet her at the restaurant. Not the original <laughs> restaurant that we worked at, but that cl- got meet- closed down because they couldn't get a liquor license. Right. I, I, met, I actually met my wife uh, at a Joey Maria's wedding, which the Wait restaurant used to cater. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I went in one night to drop off some chicken palm. <laughs> and she was there waiting to do the Joey Maria's wedding. She was a performer? No, she was she, she was, was catering. Catering for catering. the okay. restaurant. So you were dropping off some right. she, Yeah. And okay. then uh, you remember that joke scaring people? Yes. You, know, you remember the way you go up to the car window yep. at a red light? Yeah. And you sneak up, and they don't even know. Hits of the 90s, yeah. Woo! That was a huge hit for Robert Kelly. And uh, she, I actually, I, she came out of the place, her and her friend Jody. Uh, Jody was, you know, a little older. Remember Jody? She had a nice body, but she had a face like a fucking cartoon character, a cartoon bird. I don't know. I'm sure if I saw her, I would remember the cartoon bird. But, but uh, she, they pulled up at the red light. I went up, and I scared the fuck out of them. And then I walked over. I go, we should go out. We should go for coffee. Wow. I was like, dude, that was when I was hot, too. Ballsy, yeah. I was hot back then. Yeah. I was really hot. And I was like, we should go for coffee. Like, I was a situation. <laughs> uh, if they had a fucking reality show back then, I would have been oh, The funniest. Um, none of those guys are funny, Bob. You're funny. On <laughs> and off stage. Yeah. Those, well, yeah, they're not funny. But they're fucking entertaining. Fucking yeah. losers. But I was both. Right. I was a psychopath. Yeah. That fucking get into a fight. And I joke around a little. Oh, I had a sense of humor. <laughs> funny, funny guy. But then you, we would actually, after work, we'd, we'd uh, I'd jump on my motorcycle, you'd jump in your car, we'd go down downtown Boston, cigar place. We had a few hours in between work and Comedy. the open mic yeah. or whatever we were trying to get on, mm-hmm. and we would smoke cigars, drink coffee, talk about comedy. And then go to a place that nine times out of ten, not enough people showed up to do a show. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we wouldn't even wind up doing a show and we would just hang out, maybe go back to your uh, rumpus room of an apartment mm-hmm. and drink and drink uh, whatever the whatever the grocery store's name was, that cola. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. President's, Shaw's Cola. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just cra- couldn't even afford Coca-Cola. Yeah. We had that shit apartment. Yeah. Just a shit apartment. But a great balcony. Yep. And we would sit out there and, and talk comedy. Yep. We'd talk comedy. And we'd talk comedy a lot. Yeah. And we became really good friends. And then I forget what happened. What did you move or did I move? You moved. You, you moved. I moved. Yeah. You moved to New York first. Okay. And I, I continued to do the, the local scene in, in Boston. And I became a middle act, which which goes up before the headliner. Right. And uh, I worked on my jokes, and and so you were about a year and a half or so ahead of me to New York. But I remember staying with you at at an apartment, Ninety <laughs> Seventh Street. Yeah, that was Billy Burr's apartment. Yeah, Billy that Burr's he, apartment. He and actually then, let me move in. But but you weren't there when I first got there, and I just you had left me the key. I, I went in there, I fell asleep, and then your roommate Akeem came in. Yeah. And um, I didn't I didn't know who he was. It was just a, a black man who walked into your apartment one day, <laughs> and I I called you up and I said. Uh, Hey, I didn't know that. I thought Billy Burr was your roommate, and you said, "Well, who's there?" And I told you, and you said, "He's not supposed to be there. Get him out." <laughs> you made me think that he was an intruder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah, Akeen. He, he, we couldn't understand him. Me and Billy would just laugh when he laughed like a soundtrack. He was a really nice guy, though. Great guy. Akeen was a fucking great guy because he let he let Billy. Who subletted from him like a space? Okay, he let it. He let him sublet it to me. Wow! Because Billy was in L.A. shooting townies, yeah, and he would come home once in a while. But to keep the pad, 
you know, he, I paid most of the rent. And then when he came home, I would just hit Do the Do you remember couch. what the rent was? 325 Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But it did go up. It went up to, it went up. It got a little expensive. It went to 350 You can make that in a weekend of oh, doing spots. Dude, I can make that panhandling. Right? Yeah, I could sell shaved ice one day a week. Oh, that's fantastic. And 97th and what was it? It's 97th and Lex. One block away from the projects. And one block away. That one block. Imagine what you could have gotten it for. It would have been a block up. (laughs) It would have been 210. (laughs) (laughs) We had to do our laundry at the projects, though, in the basement. Oh, wow. Which I loved. I fucking loved. I loved sitting on the stoop and looking down, seeing a crack addict taking a shit. We used to do a lot of talking on that stoop. You pronounced it stoop. Stoop. Which is also a Yiddish word, which means to fuck. Stoop. (laughs) And, And... the other thing that I always tell people is is that wherever I've lived in New York City, you hooked up there at every section. There's not a place I can tell you I've either either had a meal or lived where you can't tell me what position and and what nationality the girl you uh, hooked up with. You're like, you're like a salmon. You know exactly where you got laid and you could take me back there at, at any point. And someday I'm going to go back there and die. <laughs> you get, get, uh, where are you living, Gare? I'm at 39th and 2nd. I once bent a Puerto Rican chick over over a railing in a balcony. She only had one foot. Dude, she only had one foot. <laughs> I used to have an Indian chick eat my ass over there. <laughs> Fucking the East Village. Yeah. I did bang a lot of broads. You know the worst fuck I ever had? Tell me. Israeli girl. Really? Worst lay ever. So bad. And I came out of the cellar one night. And this happened to me many times. I'd come off stage and there'd be a girl there who saw me before and they would come when they saw me on the show yeah. and wait in the hallway. And I came off one night and she's like, oh, uh, she went, oh my God, I'm, she had an Israeli accent. She goes, I think you're so funny. And I walked up, you do, do you? And I walked up and I just started kissing her. Wow. Just started making out with her. Oh my God. Go, you're like Robert Goulet. Back then I was fucking bad. Wow. So we, we hooked up. We started... Uh, I need like a, an invitation and sign a contract before I do something like that. I really? want to make sure... Yeah, I want to make sure that I don't get charged with something. <laughs> you just start kissing. I walked off stage. If I had your balls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then we... I remember we would... When we fucked for the first time, I thought it was just her being nervous. So I right. let it go. The second time, dude, it, she would just... Her rhythm was off. Really? Like she didn't know how to fuck... Wow. A beautiful dude. I'm talking thin waist. Big tits. Uh, small tits. Really? Not the Israeli really, women not, usually have... Not really big tits. Golan Heights. Beautiful, huge booty. But uh, like not fat, not... Yeah. Just this beautiful booty. Yeah. Beautiful eyes, beautiful... Oh my gosh, she was really gorgeous. Yeah. But she sucked. Wow. And I mean, I would get aggravated. One time I remember going... I remember yelling at her going... Come on. Let's wow. go. Move your fucking hips. Wow. Like that bad. What are you doing? I, yeah. Yeah. Almost to that point. Oh, it's infuriating. I was so fucking aggravated. And that's why I stopped seeing her because it was just, it sucked. Wow. It sucked. And I'm, oh man, she was so hot. And her roommates were hot. It was just a great little, she lived in the East Village. 
He used to fuck she just him. wasn't your speed. What? She, she would have been right up my alley. Couldn't I'd fuck. love to date an Israeli girl. Couldn't fuck, yeah. I mean, I was excited. Of course. She had a gun for two years. Of course. Not only like a, a, a Jewish woman, a, like Israeli Jewish. That's, yeah. a different, that's a different thing. She I'm sure you've had your share of Jewish women. Um, yes, I have. I have. I used to uh, bang a Jewish broad right across the street from the cellar. Jew broad. Jew broad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right across the street from the cell, she had an awesome uh, one-bedroom apartment. Oh. So I'd do my spots all night, hang out, and then I'd go meet her over there. And I'd get to sleep, you know, I'd stay over. I remember wow. one night we were, we were outside of her and place. I'll go all the way back up to 97, oh. 96. And God, dude. Lex. That fucking six train yeah. was the worst. Because I couldn't afford a cab all the time back then. So I'd have to, to wait To me, getting a cab train. is like going to a prostitute. Only, only if it's been, yeah... Well, Very rarely will I. Well, we're I don't out, go to prostitutes, but well, I, I don't do. use a I cab don't anymore. But I have my <laughs> share of those too. That's the worst part of it. I could get laid by regular chicks all the time, and I'd still go to a whore. Really? I don't know. Just something about it. Yeah. Some about the uh, the hunt. Is it true that they don't kiss you? Is that or is that just a pretty woman thing? Oh, none. That's you it. don't want to kiss a prostitute. Um, right? you don't want to, but I have like hot ones, like uh, f- you know, f- like blue chip hookers in Vegas. What, how much would that be for a blue chip? Five bills. Five hundred dollars cash, right? Yeah, but I never paid it. I had somebody pay for. I tell you a funny story. Girl knocks on my door. She's uh. Gorgeous. I mean, just a regular looking chick in jeans and a cool shirt. And I thought she was a fan. Oh. And she comes in and we talk. And Never she, make that mistake. Yeah, she starts, Somebody recognizes <laughs> you. Well, I was in my hotel that it's room. from high school. <laughs> I'm in my room. Right, right. So I'm thinking they sent her up or whatever. She comes in, uh, dances, takes her clothes off. We, she starts dancing. I start dancing. <laughs> oh. Then I, I wound up going... How are you at dancing? Do you have pretty good rhythm? No. No moves? No. Uh, I got some moves. I All think right. I could have been a dancer dancer. Yeah. Like for Madonna. Right. That type of dancer. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, I believe that. I'm not I I have... You you have the courage and and rhythm. I don't have the courage. That's what no? I'm lacking. Oh. Yeah. I used to dance at all the weddings when I was a kid. Oh. I was like a little hit. And I would, you know, they would pay me. They'd give wow. me do- yeah, because I, I made the wedding. Because cute little Bobby was out there doing uh, Danny Terrio moves. Oh. But um, I remember I got this girl. Who broke your spirit? I got. Hang on, let me tell you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Dude, Billy Manchington. That's who it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah I used to be very entertaining at weddings, too, until my brothers broke my spirit. Yeah. I, yeah. Somebody always yeah. fucking yeah. makes you <laughs> insecure. Keep you in your place. Yes. Yeah. Don't be so obnoxious. Yeah. Shut your face. Yeah. All right, yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny and funny, and then all of a sudden yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. All but of a sudden you start to stand out. I went down on this girl because I liked her. And I kissed her, made out with her, and I went down and made her have an orgasm. Wow. I, the guy called up. He goes, "How did that girl come up? I go, yeah, she was awesome. I'm going to hang out later. He goes, I go, yeah, dude. He goes, did you fuck her? I go, no. Wait, who's the guy? The guy who booked the gig. Oh, okay. He goes, did you fuck her? I go, no. I'm not, I'm not, I like her. He's like, dude, she's a whore. Oh. She cost me five bills. You didn't oh. fuck her? I go, no. I, I went down on her. He goes, you went down on her? You fucking idiot. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. That's horrible. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah, and it was like. I like her. Yeah, I like her. I like her. She was smoking. At least you didn't abandon your entire life. and. <laughs> Support her and just talk yourself into it. Oh, did you? <laughs> That's the thing. Here, let, let's get into this, dude. You go to L.A. Yeah. From from Boston. I, I you don't go to New York. I lived on Joe Matarese's couch in Queens, Astoria, for, Queens. For how long? For three months. 
three hundred twenty-five dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Sleep on his couch in, in Queens, which is right about what you paid for Billy Burr's apartment at night. But how did you, how months. did you get to how what I mean? You went into New York and became successful. Or, no, wait a minute. No, what happened, dude? I was, I, the, I was getting the I was getting the comedy I was getting the comedy seller. Food spots. Okay. And I was going at one o'clock in the morning or whatever, getting a food spot. And then I stopped getting any spots anywhere. And really? I, yeah. Because uh, I wasn't doing that well at that, at that hour. I just, my act wasn't strong enough. So I went back to Boston because I, I could always get on stage there. And I, I think I remember sitting on the stoop one night and we had this conversation well, you're like, I'm thinking of going back to Boston. No, I'll tell you exactly what happened because I remember that stoop. Okay. All right. So I'd been in Boston for about a year working on my shit, and I finally got to a point where I felt like I know what I'm doing now. I'm going to go back to New York, and this uh, comedy manager set up an audition for me right. at, the, at the old Gotham Comedy Club, and I bombed so hard. Right. And then ever ever bomb you run through your act so fast that there's several minutes left at the end. <laughs> yes. And the hosts yeah. try to have a social life during the show. Right. So they're nowhere to be found. Right. So you so I'm I mean this probably never happened to you, but Dude, it's happened to okay. me. Okay, all right. So I'm standing on stage with only my dick in my hand. I got no more jokes left. I've run through my my uh two hours of material. Right. Four minutes. Whatever. You know how you some nights it it takes you two hours to do six minutes into material other nights you run through it in a minute but the laughs and the and the audience enjoying you yeah. you add a little thing here or there it just happened to me in montreal oh. at the gala not that i was doing bad but i ran through the jokes and yeah. they weren't laughing as long as they were at the cellar in new york when i was sure practicing this yeah. side so i got to eight minutes i had two minutes left i had to add the joke oh yeah of course they got up a professional and yeah. I knew what to do. Yeah. And I didn't panic. Yeah. But, but I, those three seconds in your head feel like, uh-huh. yeah, when you're trying to come up with the thing. No, I know. Yeah. It's usually the opposite. But but here's the thing. So I run through that. Gregory Carey, who was a Boston comedian, was the host. Yeah, I remember him. I'm standing there. And then 45 seconds, at least, I say, oh, he's not coming back. I better do another joke. And of course, that joke destroys. And I meet with the guy who, who had wanted to see me, the manager. And he's like, uh, so um, we were supposed to go out to dinner afterwards, talk about my career. And he said, uh, listen, I think you should go back to Boston for a couple of years and work on your thing. A couple then, of years? Yeah, a couple of years, year Who and a half this manager? Rick Dorfman. He said Rick, a couple of years. Yeah, Rick the Dorf Dorfman. And then, uh, so I went back to your place that night and I was like, uh, Bobby, I was devastated. I was devastated. I remember walking in a daze into yeah. the into the tra- traffic, just you know, the taxi cabs whizzing by me as I'm like, oh my one. Ch-. You always think you only get one chance in this business. Turns out they give you like three thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to blow three thousand chances to fail at this. You only get one shot, kid. You get thousands of shots. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. This was my first one, so I went. Because we need all thousand, three thousand of those shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm on twenty nine ninety eight. So so I go back to your place. You're probably out doing spots until four o'clock in the morning. Anyhow, we wake up the next day. We go out on the stoop, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I just I got I got. 
completely obliterated last night, and uh, I think I'm just going to take his advice and go back to Boston for a couple of years. Right. The thing was is that I had another audition the following week for Barry Katz's company, Maureen Tarrant, mm-hmm. who, is, who was a partner with him. She's a, a, a woman manager, and I said, I don't know if I should go for it because I'm just going to blow another one of my 3,000 opportunities, yeah. and, uh, and you were like, dude. Dude, you're not going anywhere. You're coming back. You're doing that spot, and and uh, you're not giving up and running with your tail between your legs back to Boston. You're not going to run away from this. You know, you gave me an awesome pep talk. Right, you were yeah. like Mickey and Rocky. It was very typical, <laughs> typical Robert. You've probably given me sixty of those, uh, sixty of those this weekend. These, these uh, pep talks, and I was, and you know, so then I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back, and I, and I came back. I did the audition. That was like. Nineteen ninety eight, October right about the time of my that would have been my, my fifth anniversary of doing comedy. Right. And it was nineteen ninety eight and I went back and did the audition, went on right after Jim Gaffigan. This was before Gaffigan was huge, but he was here was the thing with Gaffigan back then. Not only did he have those funny weird jokes yeah. about about manatees and stuff like yeah. that, he was also pretty dirty. He was real he dirty. He was really dirty. Fucking dirty. And this was the Boston Comedy Club full and he killed and I'm like panicking. I'm like even before Gaffigan was huge nationally, we all knew that this guy was a heavy hitter and everybody talked, "Oh, you hear Gaffigan's jo-. he was just legendary already." Yeah, he was a dirty Dirty comedy. And he was really funny. dirty yeah. and creepy. Yeah. Creepy dirty. Like the horse fucker was one of his big jokes. Yeah, yeah. That was his nickname back in Indiana. <laughs> you can't escape your past. <laughs> Welcome back, horse fucker. <laughs> you do one thing, like stuff like that. So so I go on after him. I'm shaking. I'm like, here we go again. And for whatever reason, the collection of jokes worked. I was likable or whatever. The, the whole thing is we were probably never good early, but we were likable and we, and we would do well. Right. And, and uh, so she called me that Monday and she was like, I want to work with you. And within nine months of that date where that guy told me to go back to Boston for two years, I got Letterman, Leno, Premium Blend, a development deal at Fox for a quarter million dollars. Yeah. And it was like... Back then, when they because I did Montreal, right. that was the thing. I got Montreal later that year, and it like and I went from living with my mom to to having an apartment in L.A. within within a year of that. So it was just it was it was dramatic how quickly your life could change. It with, was crazy that type of circumstances. I remember that. I remember you fucking shot. You were just gone, dude. You and then you were in L.A. Yeah, for six years. You went to L.A. and you were with Barry Katz. <clears throat> Who I was with Barry Katz, but not with Barry Katz. I was yeah. uh, with Matt well, I was Frost. With, I was with Maureen. Right, Maureen. I with Maureen. I love Maureen. I love her. Love Maureen. Um, but I wasn't... I was, I was with Matt. I was kind of Matt's guy. But Matt was the booking guy who yeah. wanted to be a manager. Yeah. And I was his first guy. Me and Corielli. Oh, wow. But I didn't know Corielli, that. But then yeah, he brought Corielli in, and then, but Corielli went with Maureen. Okay. Because Maureen was like, I, I, I like... Pete and Pete yeah. was like, "Let me go over here." Yeah, and I stuck with Matt. Nobody really liked me. Barry, I remember Barry. Did, Barry, we were at the meeting, and he goes, uh, "Well, Matt's going to be your guy." I go, "No, that's the way I want it. I'm fine with that." Yeah. I, and then I remember I booked, uh, I booked a movie, uh, two movies and a TV show of yeah. VJ for Burley Bear Network. That's right. Where I was an MTV VJ. Yeah. And uh, Ann Harris. Worked there 
at Burley Bear, too. Now she's one of the big dogs at Comedy Central. Wow. We did a Burley Bear tour. We did all this weird shit. But, um, and then the company broke up. Oh, yeah. And they went to L.A. Yeah. And you went with the big part of the company, and I stayed yeah. in New York yeah. with Frosty. He, Frosty was my manager all the way up until Torgasm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I remember I looked over at him, and he's he's on the bus with Dane, helping Dane do shit. Yeah. And he was like, you know, had to deal with Dane because he was Dane's agent. Right. And I went, if he's Dane's agent and he's doing all this shit, what the, why, what the fuck is he doing for me right now? Right. As a manager. Yeah. You know, this can't work. Yeah. And I had to talk with him and we brought it. But yeah. There but, are so many conflicts of interest within management. And, and that was like even egregious for the, the nature of the business. Well, we, um, me, you went to L.A. Me and you had a falling out, dude. We had a fucking falling out for a while because... You know, I was old school fucking, you know, Boston is a code that you keep, you know, and me and you were, me and you got really tight. You were one of my, I knew how, uh, I don't know how to say it. You were just a a solid guy. You were no bullshit. You had rules and regulations. You had a code too. Yeah. And I remember when you went to LA, you were gone and uh, I remember hearing all this crazy shit about you. It was almost like, uh. You were kind of successful in this business overnight. Nine months, but yeah. that's overnight. Yeah. You know? And uh, you were in L.A., and and then we stopped talking. We stopped talking. And, yeah. and I don't remember if it's after you got... No, I think it was before you got, uh, you got Last Comic Standing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think when I moved to L.A., we, we didn't talk for a couple of years until you moved out there. And I just... You know, it, it, I didn't understand the comic life back then because I was coming from Boston with Patrice and you and Dane and we all kept in touch. But like, but people don't understand as civilians, you guys talk all the time. You have the same friends pretty much your whole life or they evolve, but you talk every day or you're, you're every week or you, you go to a barbecue or you go to a bar or you see each other. But comics, which I learned... You go away for years, or you go away for months, and you don't talk. Yeah. And it's not that you don't like each other or fuck you. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, this is my part I'm going to own. Right. Is that you have to understand that your life goes off so fast in a different direction that you're just so focused on doing what you're doing. But most of the time, you'll call up, what's up? What's going on? Nothing. Where you been? You know, it's nine months. And it's like, yeah. dude, I was fucking, oh, cool. And it's right back to where you left off. That, that's the one thing. I remember I had a, a priest who was a professor at Boston College, and, and he told me something that I never got, forgot when I was like 19 years old. He said, you're, you're real friends. You can go years without talking to them, and you pick up right where you left off. Those are real friends. But when I think about it now, when you say, oh, Gary, you got really successful really quickly, I, th- I think that now that I recall, there were a couple of things going on there one you say that and i'm like well what are you talking about successful i would i i never felt like i always felt like um 
yeah, you got these deals, but it didn't mean that you were famous or, or, or on TV or anything like that. And it never guaranteed anything. And it was just a weird time in, in comedy. So there was, there was at least a subconscious feeling that here's, a, here's Bobby Kelly, who's, who's, I, I always felt was funnier than everybody. And now here I am getting, getting the tap to come into the game and, and, and have all these things and go on TV and have a development deal. Well, that's not really fair because Bobby Kelly is funnier than I am. And, and so I probably felt a, a little bit fraudulent and probably had some survivor's guilt about get, being luckier. Because that's what nobody tells you <laughs> when, when they make it. They say, I worked hard and I, and I had a natural talent for this. Nobody ever says, oh, I got really, uh, it was, I got into a thing. They picked me over some other people who were just as funny. And this person saw me oh. and it clicked and right. whatever. And I had a meeting and for whatever reason, I said this instead of that. And they wrote a check for me because they had heard that some other company company wanted to write me a check and and that's how it happens i love it when these guys say well you know you, you just got to get so good and shut up yeah. shut up <laughs> there's a lot of luck involved and the, and the people who don't feel a little bit of either survivor's guilt that like kurt vonnegut always said that with his with his other author friends he was like there's no rhyme or reason as to why i'm more famous and more acceptable than these guys or mark twain over right. other guys or whatever it's just and and i probably felt that way and i and I and sometimes it's hard to to it's hard to be successful with friends it's it's easy to struggle with friends because right. you can share commiserating and the struggle and working hard but then you feel i almost felt like ashamed like look at me i got over on everybody and 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 uh and but the whole thing is now that we know over 20 years everything evens out yeah. and you have ups and downs and it's a long thing i love that thing with joan rivers and louis ck which was on on the louis show where she's just like ups and downs and it's a roller coaster but the bottom line is we love to get on stage every night and and Tell jokes. Yeah. Well, Tell we actually worked it out. I called you up. We talked. I was pretty fucking honest. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck, dude? You know, and you were like, I'm sorry. And, yeah. you know, we worked it out. And from that day on, it was dead. Yeah. And then we cut to. We had to, a lot of fun on the Torgasm. Well, cut to Torgasm, dude. Yeah. Where I find out you're doing it. And, you know, and Jay Davis is doing it. And then uh, we get on that fucking bus, man. Oh. And it was, uh, you know. Most people, th what the fuck was that? Oh, that was just my phone. Somebody texted me. What do you, did your phone have a bell in it? Well, it's also the start of the boxing match between my phone and, <laughs> and, and whoever texted me. We, um, yeah, we, uh, we got on that bus and it was a fucking grueling month. People think we had this blast, this crazy time where it was so beautiful. Holy shit. Oh, man. Wow, can, can you can you talk about yeah, that? I just got a text from a girl I've been dating. And My God, it's a very pretty picture. On pretty picture, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Well, hang on one second. <laughs> hang on one second. I wish I knew how to pause this fucking thing, which I don't. Because if I hit a button, I'll fucking just lose the whole podcast. Oh my god! By the way, that fucking towel on the floor over there. Yeah, that's what I figured. I avoided it. <laughs> I avoid. You know, I even when I'm on the road, I use toilet paper. Really? Yeah, because somebody yeah. has to pick that freaking thing up tomorrow. Yeah, and that's why I leave money on the fucking. I leave it. You should leave money and tongs and uh, salad tongs and wow. and. Uh, uh, Look, if you're a maid and you're not using gloves, that's 
Okay. Here's a 20. Use some gloves. Let's call it even. You leave a 20, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, I got that from Quinn. Really? Yeah. I was, uh, he was doing a NACA convention, and uh, I was there, uh, and he went up, and th- it was the funniest story ever. 3,000 people after, uh, who's the fucking loud guy? Uh, Louis Black. Oh. Yeah, that's what he likes to be called, the loud guy. <laughs> wow. the, man, the man does incisive political commentary, and Robert Kelly reduced him to the loud guy. The man is a voice of a generation, and you call I'm him the calling, loud guy. I'm, I'm calling him a caller. That's what they used to call Dane Cook I'm calling in him Boston when he first yeah, started, the loud guy. That's what they call Godfrey now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what is this, a yelling contest? <laughs> So he goes up after him. Lewis kills 3,000 students oh. and Trinitron screens. Uh, Collins at his fattest. Trinitron, really? They had a 1970s Sony television? No. Uh, they had the big Jumbotron. No, they call them tr- Trinitrons. Are you sure? I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm re- I think you, you might have what? pulled that out yes, of your ass. I am sure. <laughs> really? Two Trinitrons. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember he, was, he bombed. He bombed. His sweat. Coming down his face. <clears throat> and uh, he comes off stage. He was like, fucked. He got right the fuck out of there. I went really? up to his room. Because I, I didn't have a room. I had to split a room with my agent. So he, I go, dude, what are you leaving? He goes, yeah. He goes, can I take your room? He goes, God, I don't give a shit. So he let me have his room. I just, because I worship Colin Quinn as a saint of comedy. And a genius of comedy. Yes. And just, just as, as good as anybody who's ever done it. Biggest airlobes, too, in the comedy business. Just, go ahead. I was getting to that. <laughs> If you if you would let me finish, um, biggest deal in, in comedy, and to hear that he bombed like that's even possible, but it is possible and it happens sometimes because he takes a lot of chances and and he's true yeah. to himself. Yeah, and it's just infuriating yeah. that he had to go through that, and it just how long ago was that? Because I want to know if if it, was, uh, it had to be years ago. It was before Tough Crowd. So he was probably in his 30s? It was a year before Tough Crowd. No, 30s. What the fuck? That was uh, 40s? Really? Yeah. Uh, he's older than he looks then. Yeah, he's... I don't know. I think he's like... I don't know how old he is. All right, whatever. But 40s. But he... Um, yeah, he uh, he left the 20. I remember he left the 20 on the table. He goes, yeah. And he, he's like, yeah. He always leaves... You always see him popping a 20 to the waitresses at the cellar. Yeah. Yeah, he always... He's a big tipper. Yeah. Which I was like, you know what? That's, it's kind of given out there. You know, the people... When I, I've been rich and I've been poor. I've, I've, you've had six fats. I've had uh, three riches. Right. <laughs> I've been rich three times. All right. And uh, my my second rich was after last comic standing, and I used to tip the doormen at hotels twenties. I threw around twenties. I was an <laughs> animal. I was an animal, and I wish I had that thirty thousand dollars back. <laughs> You know, you're not as bad as fucking Jamie Giorgio. He used to tip the toll guy. Oh, I know. Even the toll was a dollar. He'd tip him three. It's Pope of Greenwich Village. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude. So you go to, you get fucking Last Comic Standing. Yeah. 2004. Fucking crazy fame. Yeah. yeah, I got famous, but what they don't tell you that there's an expiration date on the fame uh-huh. unless you do something else really quickly. Yeah. There is an expiration date on it. And you have to th- tell me I was on Torgasm with you. Right? Yeah. Somebody should have told Yeah, there's no Somebody uh, should have yeah. told us, but it would have been mean. We would have been like, "Fuck you. <laughs> You're just jealous." Yeah. Nope. 
Yeah, this, you the have expiration to, date. You, you better get to. on something quickly after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's bizarre, and it's not. Fa- it's cruel. It's cruel. <laughs> oh, the fame is great. Oh, it's a lot. How of great fun. is it when you? Because you, you, you always orgasm. felt you deserved it. Yeah. You, <laughs> you <didn't>. still do. <laughs> you still do. Yeah. We're in fucking Connecticut at the fucking Farmington Inn. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. But here's the difference, bro. We're happy. Yes. Back then. <laughs> with the fame with the fame we weren't money. happy we weren't happy we weren't happy after no. you know you got that fucking huge you know last comic and then we went on Torgasm together we did that that came out on HBO which was fucking but still weren't happy wasn't wasn't happy nope and 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 now i think you know like louis ck always says it's it's like Comedy is like going to school. It's like a, a whole lifetime of schooling. It's first through sixth, seventh, eighth. You got ninth through twelve, and then you got four years of college. And by the time that's done, you should be a comic. Yeah. You should be a paid professional comedian, knowing what the fuck you're doing, with the opportunity to write or create your way in this business. Wow. And he's right. He's like, it's 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 like 19 years or 18 years for yeah, you. Yeah, or yeah. It's, you know, 19 something years for me. And we finally at the place where I'm happy in my life. Yeah. And, you know, comedy, you know, I'm happy in comedy too. Yeah. I mean, look, I've done shows this, you know, last couple months with uh, Leary in front of 5,000 people and I'm doing this show tonight with you and I'll do The Cellar and I just did Utah. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm constantly happy yeah. and I'm not worried about the outcome of my career. Yeah. I'm worried about the uh, the actual the content right? Uh, instead of the fame. Yeah. I'm, I care about what the fuck I'm doing yeah. and how I'm doing yeah. it. You're still killing, but now it's a question of how am I going to kill? What am I going to kill with? And, and it's just... Uh, you've been always in a... You've been a very great joke writer. Oh, thanks. You've been a... You know what I mean? You've, you, you take... You take a subject, and you got shit for this too. Get, you know, people would say, yeah, he talks about fucking grapes or some shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but he... Who uh, who took the subject of fruit or whatever and broke it down all the way? Yeah. Yeah, you got a good joke out of it. And that's where we stop. Yeah. That's a good joke. Yeah. You went, fuck it. I'm, let's keep going. I want to fucking go, go, go. And you squeeze that fucking grape dry yeah. and got <laughs> fucking every joke out of it. Because it's about writing the joke and finding where the joke is. You're very analytical joke writer you want you have the setup punch tag but you you know one thing that you've you've come across in the last couple of years too is that now you're adding this fucking uh way of thinking and your your opinions and who you really are yeah to your act which is real interesting to see when a joke writer becomes personal is fucking great Oh wow, that's that's a really good compliment. I mean, as far as trying to squeeze every laugh out of the things, it, it's a it was a necessity because when I was in L.A. and other places, I didn't get on stage that much, so I didn't get to try out a lot of new, brand new stuff. Right. But I could add tags and things to the things that already worked. And oh huh, no shit. And yeah, and I remember there was a, the, the best advice I got as far as joke writing early on was was Paul Nardizzi, who's who's a legend in in Boston. He used to say he would write write in circles. He would he would take something that was already working because the hardest thing 
to write new stuff is to come up with a completely new thing because you have to try it out, find out if it works, and then work on it. But if you have something that already works, you've got a place to start, and you have the audience with you for that part, and you can add little things. And it's almost like I, I always felt like, all right, you may not come up with something new and brilliant every day, but you can try and think of a new line or a way to shorten. I, I once read that you know Seinfeld would feel good if he took 10, 10 words out of a setup or something like that, or he'd work on that. And it just I, I was always impressed with guys like that and their and their work ethic. And I and I said, listen, I have this easy job that I love and I'm being compensated for. I can I can improve by doing that by by trying to delve deeper. And and yeah, it was. I always felt that it was it was very superficial and everything like that, but at the at the very least, I felt like I owed it to the the uh, art form to be original, right. and nobody else was talking about grapes and crap like that. So, but yeah, you got on you got on. Uh, you know, the other thing that kind of f- follows you around though is that you're a fucking big guy, yeah, and you don't take shit. <laughs> you know, like people say. Cause you're, cause the type of comic you are, yeah, you're not, you know, you're not, uh, you know, confrontational, confrontational, yeah, yeah, you're not a, but you are, yeah, you don't take shit if some there's a, you, you fucking choked out an audience member. <laughs> I never choked an, an audience. <laughs> I never choked <laughs> out an audience that, member. Dude, I love that you have fucking, you have uh, are, this good boy image. But there are myths. Yeah, but, but you have you have little legacies, a little oh, yeah, myth yeah, yeah, yeah. surrounded by yeah. you. And they've grown and grown. Like, right. I knocked out Jay Moore, supposedly. You didn't knock out Jay Moore. No. No, you just grabbed him. Yeah. Because I, I, had, I had fucking, uh, what's his name? Um, fucking Jesus, my brain's flaking, dude. Oh, we oh. haven't slept once. Alonzo, Jesus, I okay. love Alonzo. Yeah, I flaked on me. Yeah, uh, I had Alonzo him on Bowden. the podcast. Okay, and he told me what happened. Oh wow, that you know Jay bust balls. Yeah, and you just and he he would fuck with Dane sometimes, and and you're very protective. You're very protective of your friends. Oh yeah, I'm very loyal. You're very loyal, very protective yeah. of your friends. And your your Jewish heritage, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're you're six foot four. I'm kidding. Six foot six. No, I know. You used to get so mad at oh, me. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah, six yeah. Four, stop be, t- yeah. Stop cutting six. me down two inches. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Six foot six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw your fucking eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering whether I should correct you for the 60th time. Um, so you're six foot six. And you're a big motherfucker, but you're in shape, too. Yeah. You, you know, you played football right. for uh, BC. Yeah. And, you know, you, you fucking don't take shit. You don't take shit. You're the sweetest, most lovable guy when you sit down and talk. You laugh. You have a great laugh. It's contagious. You'll love to talk jokes and goof around and do gay voice for hours. <laughs> but if something, if you said, if someone says something that offends you, you'll fucking, you'll fucking snap like me. Yeah. You'll snap just like me, like you fucking cocksucker. Yeah. And that you have this reputation of a guy who will fucking choke somebody out. And you, you had the one with the guy with the video camera at the club, right? Yeah, yeah. I took his video camera because he was heckling me, and then he wanted to, he wanted to video record his girlfriend. And so uh, after I got off, I said, "All right, you, you want to?" He was also a comedian. Ugh. That's what killed me. And Fuck he was it. heckling me, and I said, uh, "All right, you're not going to get to record your girlfriend." 
And what'd you do? And I just took it, and <laughs> she went on, and after she was done, I gave it back. <laughs> and he couldn't yeah. do anything about it. And he it. couldn't do anything about it. And the Jay Moore thing, you just choked him. No, I didn't choke him. I grabbed Grab him, him by the, by the uh, you know, the, that area where you, as an offensive lineman, you would block somebody to keep him away from the quarterback. <laughs> so I grabbed him in the area between your, your shoulders. If he was wearing shoulder pads, I would have grabbed his shoulder pads, but he was wearing a shirt. So I grabbed him, and I, I was at stage center. Right. And I and I uh, dragged him over to stage right, <laughs> and there were those walls, but they're stage walls. So when you throw somebody against it by the their back into it, it shakes because it's not stable. Yeah. So it looks like I'm killing him. <laughs> but I I uh, yeah I pinned him to the wall and and you know we worked it out and and the, the great thing about him is that I could have been fired for that. He was the executive producer of the show <laughs> and the host of the show, and he uh, he stood by me. He's uh, a decent guy that way. He knew that he... Well, he's a comic. Yeah. He had pressed a button and I had overreacted. But the next day I was in meetings with lawyers and and producers and it was just, will you ever do it again? And I'm like, no, 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 no. But in my head, I'm like, well, if he doesn't doesn't, uh, make fun of Dane's act, no, but... Oh. Uh, well, he, me and you have gotten into it. Oh, yeah. Me and you got into it. I know two times. I remember two times. Two epic battles. One when we were waiting tables. No, then it's three times. Yeah. Because I don't remember that one. All right. I yeah. remember the jacuzzi in Cabo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I remember on tour... Yeah. After Torgasm, our tour with Jay Davis. Yes. The uh, After Torgasm tour. Yeah. Where we got into it. That one, we, I don't, we, look, we were on the road. We were together every day. We went through a fucking, we've gone, we went through snowstorms. Yeah. We had to hire that fucking guy to get us out of uh, Buffalo. Oh. Um, we were, we, it was just tiring. It, it was, was just lack tiring. of sleep. And hunger. And then we, we were in the dressing room. I don't know what, San Fran or somewhere. San, San Francisco. This is what happened. I bombed. I didn't show up for the meet and greet afterwards because I was humiliated. And and uh, you came back and you were like, uh, you were like, where the fuck were you? We were, you held up the thing and it was selfish. And I right. went back at you. And then... Because uh, there was a lot of people waiting for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now it's fucking with my self-esteem. Yeah, 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 of course. they're waiting in line. They're like, where's yeah. Gary? I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jay Day separated us by uh, saying that the power of Christ compels us. He felt we needed an exorcism. Well, we were screaming. Yeah. We were, to- out, you know. You- we were toe-to-toe, like two, you, this is the way Bobby described it. We were like two old circus tigers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bedraggled sphinxes. <laughs> and we were screaming, fuck you, you fuck, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. fuck you, I fuck. We're going yeah. face-to-face. I was on my tippy-toes. Yeah, yeah. And you were bending and down. And you were like, I don't give a fuck, I'll knock you out. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, no, we were, you fucking snapped. I mean, oh. dude, I'm sitting there looking around the room with my peripheral for a stick. Something. <laughs> Take a knee out. Oh, and God. Jay Davis gets in the middle of us and grabs both of our shirts yeah. like a fucking evangelist. Yes. And goes, the power of Christ, Christ compels, compels you. you. And, we're, and he stopped us dead in our tracks. And I look at him. I go, he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> And then we had the one in Cabo because I would throw around the word liberal. Oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't like liberals back then. Well, well maybe yeah. you still don't, but but I, uh, I'm, a, I'm like a liberal uh, socialist-leaning uh, um, <laughs> uh, bleeding heart. Yeah. And, and I, at the time, it was, it was, Obama was in the election, but he was like the third or fourth 
and very early. Yeah, it was very early, and I was insisting that this that this uh, black guy was gonna was gonna be. Uh, changing the world and becoming president and you got mad about my liberal leanings and we were at a mansion at a mansion on the beach in an infinity pool <laughs> no we were in a, we were in a jacuzzi oh, okay uh, we, me you dane barry katz dane's brother who's now in jail Oof. uh which we didn't know then right brian folkweiss v- brian folkweiss uh and jay davis yeah in a jacuzzi, this, I mean, a huge jacuzzi. There was infinity pool. Yeah. A mansion on the ocean. Yeah. The fucking. With, with servants and a chef. Yeah. And massage. People would come and massage you. Yeah. You had a personal chef. Yeah. And me and you, you know, it was one thirty in and the morning. And these two North Shore animals. At the top of our lungs. Top of our lungs, swearing. You said something. You, I remember you stood up in the jacuzzi and went, Fuck you. I'm fucking sick of you fucking. And you snapped and I snapped. <laughs> and we both just started fucking screaming. Yeah. Fuck you. It went from this political conversation yeah, 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 yeah. to a fucking verbal boss. <laughs> it was like that fight. scene when Nick DiPaolo fought Louis. Yeah. It was, but it was, what it was like. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't an acting. And I mean, you could hear it. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Dane being like, guys, guys, guys. We're never going to be allowed back here if you don't quiet down. We're never coming back here. And that made sense to us. (laughs) Well, no, I think we we went on for a little bit. But then here's the thing with me and you is that we both have these tempers. Yeah. You know, and but that's not who we are. No, we have very poor impulse control. Very poor. And and this is what I always say when I'm doing these crazy things, such as such as dragging the executive producer across the stage (laughs) and and uh, stealing a heckler's uh, video camera. People say afterwards not now you now you're calm what do you think and i said i have to insist that it seemed perfectly reasonable <laughs> perfectly reasonable at the time to react so so with the adrenaline and the and the just the the righteous anger because i was right you shouldn't heckle somebody and you shouldn't uh, make fun of a guy's uh close friend yeah. on a on a tv set right and and, and yet my reaction is so out of proportion yeah normal people People either keep their mouth shut or say, you know what, that really hurts my feelings, <laughs> and and uh, I wish That's you would. Alan talk. Yeah, yeah. I wish you would stop that. Right. And we are, uh, and it's not like like you know you, you to, a, to a lesser extent, but but I wasn't raised as a as a uh, as a um, guy who who was on the streets fighting all, all the time. This was this was not. Uh, but there's my father is the same is the same way. It must be a, a genetic thing where his temper. He's in a nursing home now, and and he's holding grudges against the, a certain nurse. And the woman says to him, "Are you gonna uh, apologize to you know Gina or whatever he's?" And he's like, "Never, never." <laughs> I'm like, "Dad, you first of all you'll be able to uphold that because you're 85 years old. You will be able to never apologize to her. I'm sure you can last however many years you have left five, ten, I hope to twenty, but." Um, what is the point? Right. What is the point? I but remember you had a list at one point. What you, was the, you got mad at somebody? You go, he's on the list. <laughs> he's he made the fucking list. And you why you go once you get on the list, you don't get off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> yeah, there, there, uh, 
There's no list any anymore, but there probably was uh, at least. Oh, a, you named the people there off the list. Probably was the at least dates, the names. A mental. There was probably at least a mental list, if not yeah. written down or, or or on whatever the the notes huh. were. But there was a, there was a list. I think it was. Um, uh, yeah, I used to drive by the Laugh Factory in a, in a L.A. And and uh, scream fuck you laugh factory because I would go in every week and not get a single spot. Oh God, no spots for you this week. And I and like a like a nut, I would drive by and scream fuck you laugh factory. And when I had a girlfriend, she would participate in the fuck you laugh factory with me. It, it's it's this is funny too though. Is speaking of girlfriends, you've had a couple fucking couple. Uh, you you had a couple girlfriends comedians. Yeah, that fucking. That will fucking took you down the fucking crazy road, man. Oh yeah, yeah. You, uh, I'm not gonna. We don't have to mention names, no, because I don't want to get into it. But you know, I always remember you'd hook up with these girls, and I'd be like, oh boy, because yeah. my rule is, you don't date somebody with a headshot. Yes, you don't yes. date somebody with hopes and dreams. Yep, that similar to yours. Right, they can have hopes and dreams, but they, you have to be the drama mama. If you're a comedian. You have to be the drama mama. They have to be the civilian, the square that you yeah. know, doesn't would never get on stage. I don't yeah. want to know and won't even come up there on New Year's. No, yeah. just do your thing. I'll wait down. You can't do that. And I remember you used to you used to love dating chicks with headshots. Yeah, and I would be like, oh fuck. And you know, you're a good looking guy. You're a funny guy. You're a clean cut guy. You have not that you're you know you say you've been rich and poor, but you're never really poor. You can you make more than the average asshole does. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So you've you know and it's like I don't I just don't get it. And you'd be with these girls and and then I'd be like you know what fuck it okay dude happy congratulations yeah. dude I'm yeah. behind you that's yeah. the way I, you know yeah. if you love her yeah. then I fucking love her because you yeah, never know because yeah. my my girl I'm sure her girlfriends back in the day were like why are you with this fucking piece of shit yeah and she stuck with me and I was able to evolve and now we're happy married you know blah 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 and though all her friends a lot of them are divorced and you know the ones that were telling her not to be with me probably yeah yeah you know they're like yeah of course but you did a lot of you did a lot of work to become uh sane enough to well you did too we both go to the same therapist yeah we both go to the Aaron, the comedian's the therapist. Yeah, there's a. I don't know if you. I've never. I don't even know if I've talked about this, but the, my therapist for the last I don't know how many years, he does comics. Yeah, and mainly because he works on a scale, a sliding scale. Yeah, and he worked with one comic a long time ago, and they just kept passing it on. Richard Lewis. We can say it because it's in Richard Lewis's book. Richard Lewis's Richard Lewis, and then I got it from Dustin. All right. I actually didn't get it from a comedian. I got it from a guy I've known. We've been friends, still friends since sixth grade from JCC Basketball that uh, I don't want to say his name, but I'll, I'll I know who you. you're talking about yeah, because yeah, yeah. I used to come out of therapy and he was always going in after me. Yeah. And I would tell Alan, look, if you're going to make me cry or hit some real deep shit, hit it at the beginning. Yeah. Because any given day you walk out and, leave, you know. Lampanelli's there or you're there uh, or any comic <laughs> in the world is there and I'm not coming yeah. out fucking bawling yeah. and I would always talk my gossip about other comics at the beginning yeah. because I knew I didn't want to yeah. you know because he does play that radio out there but I can still hear every oh, once yeah, in a while yeah, yeah, and yeah. name and yeah. so I would always talk my shit about comics my fucking resentments yeah. at, right at the beginning 
Yeah. Because I knew no, that's a smart, it's a smart move. But the, the 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 thing with that is, is that he totally he totally gets it. And but but my friend had gone to him. He had another avenue towards him because he doesn't only only date date uh see comedians um take comedians in his office but this guy and then he told me his name and i started to see him he says he sees a lot of comedians there he didn't he never mentioned your name or anything like that but but then i said uh i'm seeing this guy and i said what's your guy's name and you told me and i was like that's the same guy that's scary and then there was a time when we would be back to back for a while and i remember you would come out you would be coming in when i was coming out and you would always say uh did you leave some for me yeah yeah i remember really great he's been so helpful I would get mad when DiStefano was in before me. I'd be like, oh, fuck. How do you follow that? How do you follow DiStefano's therapy session? Wow. You know, know, he was just tired. Yeah. Exhausted. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But uh, he's a fucking doll. He changed my life. He helped me change my life. Yeah. Yeah. Still is. You you did all the work, but he he guided you, and (laughs) and that's that's what he does. But I just, you know, the thing with the relationships that I've had is, is that most people see a woman crying on the street. And they cross the street to avoid them, like right. the, like they're a rabid dog. Yeah. And I I generally buy them a house, <laughs> and and give them my my pin number for my ATM and a and a checkbook. And it's just it's I think it's from coming from a divorced mother that I just see a woman in distress, and I need to try to make her happy at all all expenses. Yeah, dude, you you I mean I would cut a I and cut. you're never gonna find more women in distress who are. Tra- troubled than women comedians yeah. and i just th- there's always a point in every one of those relationships where i realize oh there's no helping this person the fir- the first one was at at dane's boston garden taping i was sitting with my girlfriend at the time and she looked around there were 18,000 rabid fans there and she said to me with a with a, a glint in her eye that was frightening she said i want this oh and I, instead of saying um, either, um, that's never going to happen, <laughs> you're, you're delusional, I said, you know, if you work hard enough, anything is possible. Oh. And that hurt her. You're that, undermining me. That under what are you talking about? Yeah. What did she want it tomorrow? Pretty much. Oh, my God. Pretty much. This was a woman who had been doing like comedy two years and couldn't understand why Sarah Silverman was one place and she was another. She was just as funny as Sarah Silverman. Oh, God. Oh. And that ended. That ended, God. yeah. She Fucking moved in with another comedian. Yeah. <laughs> Friend. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you hooked up with the other girl. Yeah. Within six months of that, I met this other girl. And, and, you, and I, you didn't heed my advice. No. Nope. You said she's crazy. I said, don't date somebody with a headshot. Yeah. I told you that. Just don't d- date a regular human being. Yep. And you went out. You met another girl. Yeah, and then you were up country. <laughs> yeah, and she talked me into buying a farmhouse and taking my money out of my IRA account and renovating and just. You were up in fucking an hour away from New York. Is I it wish it was only if it was only an hour, I would have been there every night. I was dri- driving back and forth two hours each way. Is it two hours? Yeah, three or four times a week. Wow. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere, I remember in the you. Middle of nowhere, you couldn't call me. No, because I get no cell reception up there. <laughs> Yeah, and you're up in the and I, I. But in my brain, I went. You know what? He's my friend. I went. Good for him. Maybe this is what he needs to do. Uh, Maybe he's going to come up with a couple novels. Yeah, because of course I couldn't tell you, Bobby. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, and I'm scared. 
I've been sucked into this and beaten down, and and now I can now I can tell <laughs> you that. But but uh, huh. the, the the one thing is that uh, that I'm proud of is that as far away from New York as I was and how much time I had to spend on the road to make the payments on the house and taxes and everything like that, I kept my stand up chops. Yeah, and I did a lot of shows. And I and I feel like I'm a better comedian now than I was last year and the year before and and all that and that's the the only thing I can I can hold on to is that I didn't I never abandoned I abandoned my my better senses and and my my defense of of my self esteem but I never abandoned doing three four hundred shows a year. Yeah, and and now you're back in New York. Yeah, and you're doing spots every night. And it's fucking cool to have you back because, you know, people would always say, you know, where's Gary? What's Gary up to? Is Gary all right? Is he yeah. cool? Yeah. Because you were just gone. Yeah. They, nobody knew where you were. Or what's Gary doing? <laughs> and I would always say, he's doing good, man. He's doing shows. He's on the road. He's probably, you know, I, I would lie, but he's corporate, does a lot of corporate dates. I don't know uh, if that's true or not. It is, it is true. I okay, do good. I do a lot of corporate gigs, but I would, like, over the winter, I was on the road for 14 straight weekends. But he, Thursday to Sunday. But now you're back in the city, yeah, which is great, yeah, because you know, I love it, and and I, and and this is where I'll be until uh, you meet the next chick with a fucking headshot. <laughs> <laughs> the next hot broad comes, and up. we'll be right back, <laughs> and we'll be right back. <laughs> oh, that was a good button. Uh, yeah. So I mean. I'm, I'm glad. I really am glad that you're back in the city because, you know, you're you're a fucking good friend of mine. You're back in the city. You're doing comedy. You're a great comic. Thanks, man. And uh, you know, it's kind of weird that now we're doing these shows together. We did that Atlanta gig together. That was the. That was the. I was just going to bring that up. That going to Atlanta, it just. I reminded. It reminded me of how I always felt being a, being around you. I always feel positive and and creative and. And like a uh, and like a comedian, and to get those types of compliments from you, I, I can't look you in the eye when I say this. Alan always gives me a hard time. I can't really say anything. Do it, do it. Try it right anything. now. I'll try to look, look you me. in the eye and say this. Me. But getting your look at me, yeah, getting your uh, look at me, right, getting your approval or your like the respect of your peers, your respect as a comedian. When you told me when we were in Atlanta, you said, you know what, dude, dude, you're a real, you're a real fucking stand up. You're not a famous guy or or a uh, guy who's getting by because he's on a TV show or something. You're a real fucking stand up who talks about real shit and you're honest and you and you're just so precise with your words and everything, dude. Yeah. And and I love this joke and that joke. And man, I came back from Atlanta and I felt like a million dollars. I was like, uh, I felt good going in. I was doing good comedy and everything like that. But there's nothing like getting that pat on the back from one of your peers who you respect. Who I, I watched you that week and I was like, this fucking guy is taking it to a new level. And then you shared that with me. And it, and it's and it's hard for for guys like us, New York guys, like getting a compliment from a New York comedian. They, I don't, I don't know the the analogy for it, but they give out compliments very. Only Colin Quinn. Colin Quinn is so positive. When you get a compliment from another new york comedian yeah. whether it be good stuff or i like that joke or anything it means something well, because be, they yeah. do not throw those out very lightly no it's fucking real and it, yeah. it, it comes out and it has to be forced out of them yeah i remember you know and it's like la you get them all the time and it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything we Dude. love you yeah that means nothing. nothing that means nothing but to hear you know louis say i like that bit or uh i never heard that <laughs> <laughs> louis never said that 
<laughs> or, or uh, you know, Gaffigan and his wife gave me a compliment one night. It's like, all right, now the fans, the entire audience could be standing, but it's that it's that compliment from another comedian who you respect, right. not from some putz who's just trying to kiss your ass, but somebody you respect, and it's just like uh, that's that's success. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's we it's, had a good time too. I mean, that's why you know we uh, we did that Atlanta gig, and it was yeah. me and you yeah. on a show in these fucking weird little fucking venues. Yeah. Uh, in these basement fucking yeah. comedy clubs. One of them was an old church. One was an old church. And yeah. It was a fucking blast. And it, the fear of who goes up when or how or whatever, it's yeah. not there. Right. It's just. Well, that's the thing with the, the, that the comedy seller really teaches you is that, like, last night, right before me is Jim Norton, who couldn't be more opposite in, in styles. Right. And then you go up, and then somebody different uh, goes on after me. That's what New and York just, does. Yeah, that's what New York does. It makes you comfortable going on it. And Boston, back in the day. Yeah, Boston. We would have to go on a, after these guys who. People always say, why are Boston comedians so strong? Especially that when you think about the group that we started with Billy Burr, Dane Cook, Patrice O'Neill, Dwayne Perkins, and I'm sure we can. Uh, we'll, I don't know who we're leaving out. Patrice, Patrice O'Neill, you and and these guys, the hosts of those shows were always the best guys on the show, right. and you had to go up in between, and the audience just fell in love with them, wanted them back, and you better you better grab their attention right away. Yeah, and it, and it just Bob uh, Marley, yeah. Bob Marley, the yeah. comedian Bob you Marley. Had, you had five minutes, yeah. to fucking kill, yeah. And, but they the thing is, is they wanted you to kill. They did, but you didn't go, and you didn't go over. Yeah, unless you were Patrice, you didn't go over. <laughs> <laughs> and and you uh, and and you killed, yeah. and it was not it, it was not mediocre no. killing. It was you would have to destroy, <laughs> or, you, or you weren't going to get back up on the stage. The the hosts really were were uh, inspiring. Well, it's co- it's cool too to where we're at now, especially at, over the years. We've both had success. We've both been up and down. Uh, we've both had fucking these trials and tribulations, and now we're actually. At a good place, you yeah. know, where uh, it's kind of leveled out a little bit. What but- was that thing I said today? I said that I said that I had realized that we had everything we needed to be happy, except the realization that we did. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I really wanted it to be it because yeah. what you said was f- what did fucking I say? Great. I forget. Yeah. But it was. It was basically what the point is. Is like once you realize it's you. You know, it's you. If you don't have expectations in life, yeah. you have everything you need. Right. Is basically what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. And that's the truth. It's like, look, we're both working. Yeah. You know, the next big thing is right around the fucking corner. Yeah. And we'll be up and we'll be down. It's a fucking roller coaster. Yeah. But we, you know, the one thing that. Uh, Anchors us to this fucking business is comedy. You can't take that away. No, you'll, I'll, I'll, you'll always be able to go to the cellar and do a fucking 10, 15 minute set. Yeah, you'll always be able to work the clubs. Yeah, you might. You know, there'll be guys bigger than you, younger than you, better looking than you, uh, more money than you, and you'll be up there. You'll be down there. But better looking, not better looking <laughs> than you. Than you. But Bob, <laughs> do, the the other thing that I always talk about comedians, talk to other comedians is about is that and 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 this is true at every level, the millionaire comedians and the open micers. The thing that keeps us going, and I always say, if a guy loses this, just quit because it's not going to get any better than this. When a new joke, a new joke works, yeah. 
oh, something you thought you feel creative, you feel smart, you feel like you're you're productive and working, and and it puts ten years on your career. Yes, and at every level. And when you know, I have these friends who are constantly. I want to. I'm not making a living, man. I I I want to quit. And it's like you ever think of a. Uh, you still think of new jokes? Yep. All right. You're not done yet. You're not done until something happens, and you don't even want to either want to write it down or go on stage that night and talk about it. Then you're done. Yeah. Any any time you, you, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I don't think it's a drug, but what do you think? Oh, it's a drug. Yeah. Something gets released in our fucking brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a drug because once you get that, it's from day one the the response of the crowd. Yeah. And when they when you think of something and say it on stage that night and it gets a laugh, you're like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. You know, you can't wait to the next night. I remember. I remember but seeing the the, the, the sickness sorry. of it is is that. You you got to move on at some point. Yeah, that's the hard part is letting go of it and moving on to something new, because um, you know you get you kind of get stuck in this. You know, this is the hour, and you build this hour. Right. And but everybody does it different. You know, yeah. everybody's different in how they do. I mean, you know, guys are whipping out hours now every six months. Which is kind of fucking guys or Louis? Okay, I'll. You're right, Louis. <laughs> yeah, it's like setting the curve. Yeah, and it's like go fuck yourself. Yeah, fucking stop, stop making us look like shit. <laughs> you know, really six yeah. months for uh, you motherfucker. Yeah, it's still it's still an aberration, and and it shows you what kind of what kind of talent he is. But the other side of that, the feeling you get from the crowd, and I wanted to bring this up with you, just to, not here, but anywhere, is that I remember seeing that tribute to Greg Giraldo and Jim Gaffigan of all people summed it up well because I I, I always think of him as as just kind of a um a person who wouldn't bring up the the emotional side of of comedy cuz he he's just he's um seems very private but he said he said it's very difficult to go on stage in front of a thousand people whatever Greg was doing and then go home to an empty hotel room at the end of the night, every night, and just shut it down. Turn off the adulation and the adrenaline and the feeling and just, and either we want to eat or fuck or smoke or get high or, or, or cry or whatever. And it's just, uh, it's a really hard thing to do. Mm. And, and I'll tell you that, that happens a lot in New York City at that at that comedy cellar because you're going on so late sometimes one thirty two o'clock in the morning and, and it's a it's such a rush and then you have to go back I walk my dogs and I'm just this putz picking up shit <laughs> on the on the streets of New York at two o'clock in the morning and drunk twenty one year old girls are walking by petting the dogs and treating me like I'm a ninety year old man. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, yeah, I what do you do to deal with that feeling when you get back to the hotel? I, I, Netflix. I, I, well, iPad. Yeah. I, apparently, what I do is eat. You yeah. Look at me. Yeah, dude. I have you know the addictions and people are like, dude, just fucking, you know, just you know, go to the gym or eat right. Or, Please. It's like, look, man. It's it's this. It's not as easy as that. You go. You do go back to that room, and you got. You went from being. Famous, the highlight of this these people's evening to taking pictures and yeah. talking to people and yeah. 
to being by yourself in your underwear yeah. with 24 channels at your fucking disposal. Meanwhile, you can't wait to get away from all the adulation because you, we, uh, at least me, it's just like I, I feel like a, a like a weirdo yeah. and and have a hard time talking to strangers and everything like that. And then I like to I can do it. Yeah, you're I really do. good at that, man. You're yeah. really good at it. I, I feel so fucking mayor. Yeah, I feel so self-conscious afterwards at those things and and yeah. I just want to get out of there. But then I, I don't want to be alone at the end of the night. And it's just it's it's hard. It's, it's hard. a fucking hard thing but you know it's you know it it doesn't get easier but you learn to deal with it differently and you know i'm learning to deal with it a little differently um you know because it's like you know sex or banging broads or food or you know drugs in some people's cases or alcohol yeah those aren't an option for me no and you know it's it's easier to order it's more acceptable to get a pizza yeah you know, nobody gives a shit if you get a pizza and some chicken wings and become a fat fuck. So it's that's that's hard for me because that's one of my drugs. Yeah. Is that that's one of the things that I use to take the pain away, being on the road or being lonely and fucked up. That's yeah. what sucks. I wish it. I wish it wasn't something. I wish it wasn't drugs. I don't want to say that. I'm glad I have. I've been sober and clean for five years. But you know, it used to be sex. It used to be trying to get pussy, and yeah. you know that that kept me thin. <laughs> I want to say to my wife, "Do you want me thin? Then let me bang bro." <laughs> but listen, dude, we got to fucking wrap this up. Yeah. Um, we got to get some food. And we got the show tonight. Yes, but uh, I, I want you to come back on. Oh yeah, uh, I, I usually love it. do it with Joe DeRosa. Okay, um, we'll come back on over to the house and just shoot the shit. That'll be uh, fun. One day, but I'm glad I got you on the podcast. Yeah, uh, I've been looking forward to doing this for and, a while. Uh, you know, we'll fucking definitely. I love and getting I, into I made some shit. eye contact. You did. You made eye contact. Yeah. You had to do a character. I did do a character. You had to do me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. my God. I sidestepped it. You sidestepped it. But you did good. You kept the eye contact as yeah. me. You weren't you. But I did it as you. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. You're really... <laughs> But uh, sharp, yeah. you're very perceptive, Doctor Lichter. <laughs> the question is, can you turn that half hour perception against yourself? <laughs> Dude, Gary Gullman, what's your website, man? GaryGullman.com. GaryGullman.com. Um, make sure you uh, go to his website. He's one of my favorite comics, one of my favorite people in the business, and he doesn't look choke. me in the eye and say that. You're one of my favorite comics. You're one of my favorite people in the business, and oh. I love you to death. Oh, and he didn't Bubba do a character for that. Not at all. Right yeah. in your face. And I love you. And I love you, Robert Kelly. Now it's getting gay. You're a really good friend. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. I know. Stop. Oh, my God. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> put your penis away. Your penis. Your penis. Yeah, let's have to put it <laughs> That's away. That's how we talk. <laughs> um, and and um, you, uh, you know, this, is, uh, this has been great. This has been great, dude. Thanks yeah, for coming it's on. It's a lot of fun. And now Thanks, we're going to do shows together. Yes. Yes. Gary Gullman, everybody. Thanks again for listening to another episode of You Know What Dude podcast on gloryholeradio.com. And make sure to check out all the other shows on the Glory Hole Network. If you're using the Stitcher app, type in the word fart when you register. iTunes users, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you're a real fan of the show and you want to show your support, go to gloryholeradio.com slash Robert Kelly and hit the donate button. $10 will get you a shout out on the air. $20 will get you my first CD, Robert Kelly Live, not available in stores. If you have any questions, email me at robertkelly at gloryholeradio.com.